This is Ron Stockton. I want to talk to you about writing. People say I'm a good writer. By people, I mean editors. Once an editor told me they were going to publish my book because they enjoyed reading it. That was a thrill. My profession requires that I write for publication. That means I have to write articles and submit them to editors for a review. Typically a paper submitted to a journal is sent out to an external reviewer. This is called peer review. The person re reading the paper does not know who wrote it. Their job is to assess the paper for its contribution to the world of knowledge and to assess it for clarity of expression. I've been on both sides of that barricade. Sometimes I'm receiving feedback, but sometimes I'm the anonymous reviewer. Sometimes, as a reviewer, if I'm trying to be nice, I will say, this paper has merit, but it's not well-developed or expressed. Then I will submit a few pages of specific examples where the paper falls, the article falls short. We reviewers are asked to give the article one of three classifications. Publish with minor changes, reject, or revise and resubmit. That last category, revise and resubmit, is often a good response if the reviewer is offering focused suggestions and not suggesting major changes. I once got a review that basically said, why don't you write a different paper? I said, thanks, but no thanks. By that, I mean, I did not get back to the editor. Typically, if there's a revise and resubmit, the editor will send the second draft to a new reviewer, but sometimes they send it back to the same person. Once I got a paper on how mosques dealt with local zoning requirements, I said this paper raised original points but was not up to publication standards. I submitted five pages of specific comments. To my surprise, I was asked a year later to assess the revised version. Again, I said it had good points but was not ready for publication. The editor came back a third time. At this point, she and I were on first name basis. This time I was able to give a positive assessment and the paper was published. I was pleased that I had made a contribution to this person's career and to getting his findings into print. I told this story so you could understand how rigorous the standards are. So how did I become a good writer? If anyone had said to me when I was 18 that someday I would write serious articles and even books and that people reading them would say that they are very easy to read and even pleasant, I would not have believed them. I came from an educationally deprived environment. Our teachers were very serious and did the best they could to train us, but they were not dealing with very good material. My small town was mostly made up of kids whose dads were coal miners or poor farmers. My own dad was a miner with an eighth grade education. I don't think I had ever written an essay until my senior year in high school. Then I encountered Miss Burkhart. She was my senior English teacher. She made each of us do two things. First, we had to memorize poems. I can still recite many of those. Second, she made us write a theme once a week. These themes, i.e. essays, were just a page or two long. I suspect they were awful, but they made me write. And I had that experience, and, and, and I think that experience made a difference in my life. Ms. Burkhardt would also warned us of two cardinal sins, split infinitives and incomplete sentences. Sorry, Captain Kirk, to boldly go where no man has gone before would get you into big trouble.
And auto executives, our new model, good to go, made higher, those are not sentences. People may talk like that, but we should not write the way we talk. When I got to college, I got put into a B-level English. A-level was for advanced students, such as my wife. C-level were people who needed serious work. One of the assignments of the B-level students was that we were given a source book about someone named Captain Blood. I had to, it had documents and background information. We were supposed to write a paper on this. I didn't have the slightest idea what to do. I wrote something, but it was terrible, and I knew it was not and I knew it was terrible. I got a passing grade, but that was about all. Then my second year, I took a class in Roman history. Each student had to read a book and write a review of it. I read a book called Enemy of Rome about Hannibal. I worked so hard on that paper that I thought I would collapse from mental exhaustion. To my surprise and delight, I got an A. It was my first A. The first A I'd ever gotten on a paper. But the A left me discouraged. Why did an A paper leave me discouraged? Because I had put so much effort into that project that I realized I could never repeat that effort again and that A would be my last A. Fortunately, I was wrong. When you get that first A, you have done more than just get an A. You have learned how to get an A. You have learned how to write. I also had another breakthrough in terms of writing. It came from the worst professor I ever had. He taught a class on Latin American politics. I took that class and never learned a thing. He taught out of a book, which every student knows is death to learning. But he did two things that were exceptionally valuable to me. First, he told a story. He said he had been teaching in some Central American country that had a nasty dictator. Was it Honduras or Nicaragua or Guatemala? I don't know, I can't remember. But he had a student in the class who was getting a bad grade. One day after class, the student came up to him and whispered, I am an ear. That was local slang, which meant he was an informant for the secret police. He could report that my professor was criticizing the dictator, and my professor would be locked up. Listening to that story, I realized I had learned more about Central American government from that anecdote than from the whole textbook. I learned a lesson about teaching. If you can tell students about an experience, or share an anecdote, it will stick with them. That became a technique that I used throughout my career. But back to writing. My worst professor ever was talking to me once and telling me about how he dealt with students writing a master's thesis. This was in the days when everything was typed. And God saved the poor student who had a mistake in the middle of a page and had to retype the whole thing over. Or the professor told you that this paragraph was awkward and had to be redone. You might have had to retype the whole chapter. What this professor did was tell his students that each paragraph had to be on a separate sheet of paper. At the time, that sounded like a waste of paper. But then I realized it had a real advantage. If you messed up a paragraph, you only had to retype the one section. Also, each paragraph had its own integrity. You were taught to think in terms of paragraphs as units of analysis. That was an exceptionally valuable lesson. I'll tell you about that in a minute. 
In time, my writing improved. When my wife and I went to Kenya in 1964 for a two-year assignment in a Kenya secondary school, I was halfway through my master's program. I went to one of my favorite professors, William Hardenberg, and told him I would like to sign up for a three-hour directed study course. I explained that I planned to read everything I could about Africa and might as well get credit for it. He thought it was a good idea. My recollection was that I had to do a thousand pages per credit hour and that I had to write an analytical review of each book. I would send these papers off in waves rather than one at a time. At a certain point, he wrote back with great compliments about how well I was doing. It was one evening in Kenya after getting one of these letters from him that I told my wife I would like to pursue a doctorate. I was very nervous raising this point, which would certainly throw off balance our plan to get teaching jobs in southern Illinois and to buy a house with a 30-year mortgage. I was so happy when she said she was totally supportive. I also did field research on white settlers while I was there. When I got back, I presented my master's thesis to a committee of three senior professors. They asked questions back and forth for an hour. I was so pleased to hear from another student that one of the professors told his class that my thesis was of doctoral quality. Somehow along the way, I had learned how to write and how to analyze. Well, enough about myself. It's time to tell those of you listening how to write. First, some general rules and then some thoughts about paragraphs. Here's a rule. The first paragraph is critical. It sets the stage for the paper. It steps back from the details and tells the reader what the issues are. If you plunge directly into the analysis, you miss the opportunity to reach for the broader themes. When I was leaving graduate school to take my UM Dearborn job, my senior professor gave me some advice. In your first paragraph, tell your readers your conclusions. Then you proceed to tell them how you reach those conclusions. I have sometimes used this approach with very good results. So a couple of specific recommendations. Number one, short sentences are your friend. Long sentences are your enemy. Long subordinate clauses are from the devil. Let me repeat that. Short sentences are your friend. Long sentences are your enemy. Long subordinate clauses are from the devil. I see students write long, complex sentences. I suspect they think they're being profound. You're always better off to break up a sentence into two short sentences if you can. It's so much easier to read and to explain the point you're making. Another uh, rule is never elaborate upon a point in the same sentence. I see that done from time to time. Use a follow-up sentence. Break that sentence into two parts. Also, always use the active tense. Passive tense makes you sound like a wimp. Don't do that. Editing down is your friend. If you have to write a five-page paper, draft a seven-page paper, then edit it down. This will, this will help you see what is essential and what is fluff. I carry this a step further and try to produce square paragraphs. When I see a few words left over on the final line of a paragraph, I will go through the paragraph trying to find a way to cut out words so that the paragraph becomes square. It always makes me feel good to discover some words that really don't add anything and can be removed.
Once I wrote a uh, paper early in my career, it, uh, I wrote it with Professor Frank Wayman. We sent it to the Journal of Public Opinion, which is one of the top journals in, in the field. And uh, it was 40 pages long. Public Opinion had tables in it. And uh, they sent back a response. We said, we like this. We would like to publish it. But you have to cut it down to 25 pages. And by the way, don't leave out any of the tables. And I said, ah, oh, no problem, I can do that. So I took it home over the weekend and cut it down. And you know, I discovered there was a lot that I could cut out if the outcome was going to be that I got a publication which might actually get me tenured. So this focus upon paragraphs leads to a technique that can significantly improve your writing. If you think of the paragraph as a core building block of a paper, your focus on that particular paragraph will let you read it as an independent unit of analysis. This leads to a key conclusion. Long paragraphs, does this sound familiar? Long paragraphs are your enemy. If your paragraph is more than half a page long, you're probably rambling. You need to focus. Each paragraph should have a clear, unequivocal function. I created a paragraph numbering strategy. This is a practice I discovered on my own. Only decades later did I realize that professional writers use the same technique. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But this really works. There's a logical progression that your paragraph should follow. The first paragraph sets up the issue. The second paragraph outlines some key concepts or themes that you are going to analyze or discuss. The third paragraph goes into the case or the details, or summarizes the literature on this topic. Each paragraph should have a stand-alone function. Okay, here is an important exercise. This is so simple, but it will produce big results. After you have a draft of your paper, number the paragraphs. I often do this by page. For example, 1-1, etc. That is, page 1, paragraph 1, page 2, paragraph, page 1, paragraph 2, etc. Then reread each paragraph one by one. On a piece of paper, write the function of each paragraph. This is not a summary of the content, but the purpose of the paragraph. It's function. Why is it there? Why do you have this paragraph? What does it contribute? When you're doing this numbering exercise, you will often find one of several problems. First, you will discover that a paragraph has two functions. This means that you are not doing either very well. You should split your paragraph into two paragraphs. Second, you will discover that the purpose of paragraph 10 is the same as the purpose of paragraph 7. This means you're repeating yourself. Third, you will discover that you cannot tell the function of a paragraph. This means you are rambling and not focusing your analysis carefully enough. Maybe you should just drop that paragraph entirely. These rules are just not for you. When I write something myself, I pay special attention to these rules. At this point, I've internalized them, but still, they're there. How strange then that well into my career, I had written something that was really good for content, but just didn't seem to be clicking. I drafted it and redrafted it, and it just was not feeling right. 
I was talking to a former student about this frustration when she commented that her husband was an editor. Would I like to have him take a look at it? Well, indeed I would. And he did. And when he brought back his comments, he said that my paragraph structure was messed up. He suggested a few simple changes that transformed the paragraph. And he also went to the third page and told me that this paragraph should be moved to the first place as the opening paragraph. Oh my goodness. It was so obvious once he pointed it out and it was accepted for publication. Listening to him tell me what I had done wrong and what I needed to do, I sounded like myself talking to an undergraduate. I realized that I had accidentally discovered a writing technique that was used by professional editors. And now you know my secret. Okay, that's it. Go and sin no more.